Thank you, Ray. And I'd like to add a word of thanksgiving. We've been working through Ezra and Nehemiah, and the Bible readers in this series have been very game in attempting Hebrew uh, names, and I really appreciate it. So thank you for those who do. So this week has been the first week that's really felt genuinely like springtime to me. I don't know if you felt that. Um, Things have changed. And so, like so many of you, my thoughts have turned to things that I need to do in my garden now. Um, Now, I'm not a natural gardener by any means, and my family can attest to this. Some people have a green thumb, you know, they just touch something and it sprouts and grows and wonderful. I, I think I've said before, I have what I might call a black thumb. So any plant that comes under my care has a tendency to die. Um, they've, they've given up on me in the office with this, with the decoration of my office with the plants. So I think I killed a cactus recently, which I didn't think was even possible. Um, so now I have an artificial plant in my office. So. But I am slowly learning about gardening, particularly about the amount of work and attention that it takes to cultivate a growing and flourishing garden. And I feel that in this that I understand um, more and more the experience that Nehemiah had as we look at our final reading from uh, his book today. So as we've seen in the last month, Nehemiah was one of the key figures in the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem after the exile of the Jewish people in Babylon. And our series this term has followed this story from the time of the exile to the return of the people and their struggle to rebuild their city. And it took a long time over a hundred years, but they finally did it. And our reading today that Ray gave us, which is about halfway through the book of Nehemiah, it starts to describe what happened after Nehemiah successfully completed the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. And he did this through tremendous challenges and resistance, as we've thought about in the past two weeks. So what did he do then after, after that was finished? Well, he spent a long time as a builder, and I think essentially after that he turned to become a gardener. So he changed his mind. So the wall's been rebuilt, the city's been done, but the city is still quite empty in Jerusalem. There's not a lot of people there. Life hasn't returned to it yet. And so he needs now to plant the seeds in the city of the life that's going to grow into a vibrant, flourishing people dedicated to God and living together there. And he needs to tend this garden of the city as it grows, making sure that the weeds don't get in and that these people have everything that they need to flower and to give the fruit that God wants from them. And so that's the rest of Nehemiah's story on from what we read. And it begins with the story we just had, which is about the reading of the book of the law. So after the wall was finished, we read all the people of Jerusalem gathered together to hear Ezra the priest read through the entire book of the law of Moses. And those would be the books that we know as you know, the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, particularly the parts of the law that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai along with the Ten Commandments. And so all the people, they took a day and they sat together to sit down and listen to these laws to be read to them, to hear them and to understand them. So like a massive communal Bible study, if you've ever been part of that. That's what it was like. And so for many of them, this might have been the very first time that they'd really heard or properly understood this law in their life. And this reading we hear galvanised these people to realise and to understand how far they had fallen from their purposes as God's people. The mistakes that they'd made and the grace that God had shown them in bringing them back into their city and their calling to live in a different way now. 
Now, it was a book of laws that they were listening to. If you've ever read Leviticus, you can imagine, for us, that would be quite boring. Um, but to them, it was like listening to the, the, the Constitution read or their family history being laid out for the first time. And it was an encouraging word to them about who they were going to become. And so they were quite emotional, as we heard. There's a lot of emotion in that story. We hear, we read that they praised God, they rejoiced, and they wept quite a lot because they were sad about the way things were and the failure that they'd seen in the past. Now, if you read on in Nehemiah, the, um, the, the outcome of this festival of Bible reading, which is really what it was, was that they then had a time of corporate public confession of their personal and historical sins before God. It'd be like sorry days for us in Australia. We get together and we say sorry. And they made then a formal public commitment as a group that they were going to follow the laws of God again, faithfully, as a community. And all the leaders we hear sign their names on a document saying, we are going to do this, we're committing ourselves to this renewing the story and the covenant of God's people. And then after this, many people started to move back into Jerusalem and they dedicated the walls to God and they began to worship again in the way that the law said. And they even started properly keeping the Sabbath again, which hadn't been kept for many years. And so Nehemiah was there over the years as they did this. And he was in that time like a gardener trying to have this community to flourish in its new life and to stop the weeds that were getting, would get into this new garden. There are several stories in the rest of Nehemiah. When people did start to turn against the law again, they started to do things the way they'd been doing them. And he continually brought them back onto the right track and said, no, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We've decided to commit ourselves to that together. So this book then, Nehemiah, really finishes this story of the restoration of the Jewish people. In a sense, through Ezra Nehemiah, as he looked at the return from exile, it's a repetition of the earlier story of the Old Testament, which we read in, say, the book of Exodus. The same story that the people had under Moses. They were in captivity. They were away from the land. They were in exile. And then God set them free and brought them back to the promised land again. They received his law and they started to keep it again. And they worshipped God together. They took up a calling again to be God's people and to be a light to the world around them. And so the covenant or their promise with God was renewed and they were ready to begin again and look forward to what God was going to do through them to bless the world as he promised. And they were waiting now for the presence of God to return, to fill them and to transform them and the nations around them. And after many twists and turns and the difficulties that happened in the centuries that followed, we know that these were the people, this was the nation and the heritage into which Jesus Christ was born. He did return. God's presence did return to them. Now, early in this series, I encouraged us to read these kind of stories in the Old Testament as patterns for us of our, our life with God, individually and as a community, like as a church here at St. Mark's. Because God is the same God as he was back then, and people are the same as they were, and the way that he works with us is the same as it was for those people. And so as we read about Ezra, as we read about Nehemiah, as we read about their people and their friends, we can see in themselves our own journey with God. And that journey is the journey of faith in Jesus. It's a, the process that we've talked about of building a life with Jesus over the years of our own lives to build. I introduced you in one of my sermons earlier to the idea that for Christians there are three different ways of talking about what it means to be saved by Jesus. 
What does it mean to be saved when we say we are? So I, could, I said, we can say things like, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. You know, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. This reminds us, as Nehemiah does, I think, that becoming a Christian is a journey with God. So there is the first time, this initial time, God's grace comes into our life. We respond to it and we turn our life towards him and receive forgiveness and to start again. And we often call this our conversion or the time of our commitment to Christ. And that's the start of faith. That's when we say, oh, look, I have been saved. I was lost, but I've been saved. Then there is the time after this when the spirit of God is slowly, sometimes gently, sometimes powerfully transforming us healing us, making us to be more like Jesus and who we were made to be. And so that's the kind of middle period of faith, but it is also a time of being saved. So we say, I am being saved. I am being saved. And then we also finally look forward to the time when that process will be complete. We'll experience a reunion with God the Father. We'll be filled with his presence and his life forever in a perfect way. And that's the fulfilment of our faith. And we say, I will be saved. God will do this for so I think, as I said, Nehemiah's story is about the time in the middle there, our time now, when we're saying, I am being saved. And so that's a process that happens for every follower of Jesus and for every church community as well. The time when we build with him, the time we grow, the time we're being saved. And there are identifiable steps along that journey or things that happen to God's people as they go through that journey. And those are things we encounter along the way. And so we saw that this is the story that Nehemiah had. That's why we looked through from, from beginning to end. So we've seen there is a pattern in the way that people have this journey with God, this movement. There's a movement from destruction or de- des- desolation to restoration with God, the building up. From the beginning of the book of Ezra and the way things were to the end of the book of Nehemiah when they were restored. And these are the stages that these people went through and, and we may go through in our own building with God as follows. You know, So firstly, we saw God's grace and forgiveness comes before everything else, before we've done anything to deserve it. He calls his people and says, I come back. Uh, and then we step out in faith to follow him as, the, as those people did to come home. Then they changed as we do. What, what do we worship? What do we build our lives around? How do we put God's presence at the centre of our lives? So they rebuilt the temple. Then we learn how should our behaviour, how should that reflect God's character if we're his people and understand where we need to change? So they looked at the laws. How do we, how do we behave the way God has called us to do? Then you identify, say, well, God's called us to be distinctive people in the world and to have an influence on those around us to show what it means to be transformed as they were. And as Nehemiah did, we're called to take responsibility then for rebuilding our lives and the communities around us with God. God has a heart for the world and he gives that to his people. And as we do that, as we thought a couple of weeks ago, you experience resistance then against it. The challenge that comes against us when we try to build new things, to grow with God and to do what he's asking. And so we need to face that with God and grow in faith with him. And as Jerome thought last week, we continually in that process have to seek out What's in our own heart that's holding us back? What does God want to purify us from along this path of building? And in the end, so we see today, this continual commitment of the rest of our lives to God and the trust in the glory that's going to come when his plans are revealed and completed in us. Now, that's a lot of steps, isn't it? But that's why we have these stories, so we can remember and understand. And as you can see, this is the journey of a lifetime with God. 
you know, the feeling when I think about, you know, this own, my own salvation and the work that God's called me to do, and I think about the things that God might be calling me to do in the future, and when I do that, I think I'm really glad that eternity is to come, because I'm certainly not going to get done more than a fraction of the things that I can see God calling me to do and to work on in my life now, to build in my own life and the world around me. So this building project is big. There's so many things to grow and to change and to do with God. And it's a, I think that's a good prospect. It's exciting. It's not frustrating because it's an encouragement that any of us can embrace with Jesus a life of purpose and meaning that's big enough for every single one of us to take part in every single day of our lives until Jesus returns. It's a journey that keeps going on and on, and we always have something to do and to grow and to learn. So that's the story of Nehemiah. I think that's our story. I would encourage you to finish reading Nehemiah for yourself and see where he ends up um, and his giving of his life to God and asking for his blessing. That's how the book ends. So having said that, on our Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to remind us again of our vision as a community here at St Mark's, which is, it's to my mind, just a statement of this story. Um, of the vision that we find in the Bible, what all of us as Christians and members of the church are called to be part of, our building with God as a project, as a church here at St Mark's. So as it says there, our mission, as we've come to describe it, is to be an authentic expression of God's transforming presence in Emerald and the Hills. And our vision is to be a community of transformation. If you haven't heard the vision statement of our church or you want to learn more about it, there's um, probably I think some booklets in the foyer that detail more about this. And we prepared this together last year. But as we hear and we think about this idea, what are we called as a church to be a community of transformation and to be God's, part of God's presence in the world? I think what I'm saying is that Christ is calling all of us to be part of this journey of being saved with him, which is being transformed and taking up this following of him as a community. And we do that together. We're part of God's people in this area and throughout the world. I've linked this idea before uh, to a really wonderful passage from the letter of 1 Peter in the New Testament. It describes for us the vision of what the church is supposed to be throughout the world. So I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9, to 9, where he talks to the churches throughout the Roman Empire about their calling. So he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is, I think, the same story that Nehemiah was telling, looking forward to what God's doing. And he says later, Peter, in uh, chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, as you come to Christ, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Nehemiah was a builder and God is a builder too and he is building a house. 
And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are a stone in the house that God is building where his presence can rest in the world and transform it. It's good to be a fitting stone then, in the right shape. And our local church, I think, is a room of that building, this house of God, just a room, uh, part of this massive building that fills the whole universe of God's presence. He has a big plan for the world. So when we think about our own little room here at St Mark's, I want to share with you some of the things I think God is building in our little corner of of the house in the coming year. And that's appropriate as we review and renew ourselves and our commitment to God on our Thanksgiving Day. So as they did in Nehemiah's day, as we've done, they look back at things that have, to, that have been, which we have, that we're giving thanks for and remind themselves of, their purposes, of God's purposes for them. So I'll just think about just the year ahead. There are a few things I'm particularly looking forward to next year. Firstly, continuing to explore as a community what our worship is and how we worship together as a community in this area, particularly how our rhythm of worship services reflects the needs of our community and the opportunities that we have around us. So we believe that we need to investigate together. Do we need to start a new service or some new expression of worship that perhaps at a different time of the day to connect with new people and to allow for the way that we live in our lives in this area at the moment? So just to think about that in the coming year. Um, Another thing is we're also very keen next year to work alongside other groups in the community to meet the needs that exist around us, and that's what our Thanksgiving offering has been about. So ECHO, uh, ECHO Youth and Family Services, they're producing a report which is about the issues and the needs that confront the Hills community, which are particular to our area. And next year I hope that we'll identify where there are new areas that St Mark's is called to be part of in bringing change and transformation to people who are struggling in our area, who need to know God's love. And I expect at this stage this might be something to do with helping people who are struggling with financial stress and burden that are holding them back. So more looking forward to see what God teaches us there. Uh, Also next year I'm hoping to launch a group at St Mark's to deliver programs and materials about spiritual formation and healing um, in our area. This is a, a great desire in our church and in the Hills community to learn about spirituality and learn about well-being. And that's something I think we need to learn more about because um, Christians have great resources to share with other people in that area. So I want to learn more about that. Finally, as a community in our reading of the Bible together, I think this next year will be a good time for us to look at the biblical understanding of this world that we live in. What does it mean for us to believe in God as the creator of the world? and for us to be creations of God. And how does our faith connect with science and other ways of understanding the world um, and our responsibilities as part of God's world and in the environment? Um, You know, the whole Bible is the story of God's creation and recreation of the world. And it's a story that we can learn more about together and our part in it. So that's something that I think we'll be up to next year as well, to learn about that. So that's our little part of of God's building this room in his house. But what about the bigger picture then? So think about yourselves. You're living stones. Where do you as individuals, as followers of Jesus, fit into what God is doing and building in the whole world? And we have to look around us. So I'd encourage you, maybe in this spring season, you know, the gardens are growing. You might have got a new sense of energy or to do things, to grow things, to make things, um, coming out of the winter time. Just to ask yourself, what is it that God is calling you to build with God at him, him at, at the moment? What is God calling you to build with him at the moment? What area of your life, whether it's just your own heart with God, perhaps in your family, in your work, 
perhaps in this church or in the community around us. Where is Nehemiah's spirit at work for you? What's God got you as a builder or gardener? And so think back on this story of the, this year's to, so far and the other years before us. You know, what has God been preparing you for to do? And what do you need to learn or to grow in your not relationship with God in order to do that? So I encourage you to reflect on that. And when you do learn that and when we learn it together, let's ask every day for the grace to do it, to keep building to the end and commit ourselves to that purpose. That's my encouragement to you today and our Thanksgiving Sunday. So I'd like to pray and then Liz will lead us in a time of intercessions before God. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us like you to be builders, to make things, and called us to work alongside you in your project of building in this world. And we thank you for the story of Nehemiah and the people of God at that time. We thank you for their faithfulness to you and their hope in your coming. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come to fill us with your presence, that your spirit is in us now. I pray that all of us would renew our commitment to you as stones in your building and that we would find the place that you're calling us to serve and grow in the year to come. And we thank you again for all the wonderful things you've done at St Mark's in this year and that you will do in the years to come. And we pray that we would be willing to take part in what you are doing all around us in building your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.